This is the Perfectly Mentored Podcast with your host, Jason Portnoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Perfectly Mentored. I'm your host, Jason Portnoy, and we are back with the Ask Jason Live show, where I fielded questions from people live. You're not going to want to miss this one. Check it out. Hey everyone, welcome to the Ask Jason show, where we go live every week answering your questions around business and marketing or anything else you want to ask Jason. So if you have any questions, just comment below. And for those of you who don't know Jason, he is the founder of Jport Media, an online ad agency which helps scale our clients to seven figures and beyond. He also created the market domination method and teaches it in his private coaching program, the Market Domination Coaching, which is if you're interested in joining, you can head over to marketdominationcoaching.com and book a free game plan call. Are you ready, Jason? I'm ready. All right. Let's see. We have a question from Ben. Ben asks, what do you see as the biggest mistake people make when it comes to starting online ads? When it comes to starting, I think the number one mistake I see accounts make when I go in and I either audit or coach or look at things is they don't spend enough. So I think just overall, that's one of the, that's one of the easiest things to look at is when they come in and they want me to look at things and sit there and say, this isn't working or that's not working. And we look at it and they haven't even spent close to the amount needed in order to get any significant data in order to make any decision on what they should do or what they shouldn't do. So I think number one is definitely not spending enough in order to get that data. So I think people look at advertising and they get so scared there is. They're willing to spend so much on other things, but when it comes to advertising and actually testing, and we know, look, let's have a real conversation. Eight, eight to nine out of 10 ads fail. And so in order to do that, in order to get the winners, you have to test through a bunch. Now that means like anything in life, you have to maybe take a couple of steps backwards. You may have to invest. You may have to, I hate the word lose money because, but let's call it what it is. I'm, I don't need a sugarcoat a little bit. You may have to lose a little bit of money, but the reason why I don't like lose is because you get answers. And when you spend slowly, you don't get the answers fast enough to make proper decisions. I'd much rather spend a little bit more and get that data fast so that I could pivot and actually make back my money quicker. So that's how I have to look at it. Not spending enough, not investing in creative. So they're just like either using stock photos or just don't really care about the creative. And they're just thinking, Hey, I'm just going to go run an ad and everyone's going to want to buy it. Everyone's going to want to, everyone's going to want to, everyone's going to want my product or service. So I don't really need to invest in copy creative. I'm just going to put whatever out there. So not spending enough, not investing in creative and then not controlling what's in your control. So I think they look at the platform let's use Facebook as an example. They look at Facebook and sit there and say, okay, how do I get my return on ad spend better? How do I get this better? But meanwhile, their website converts at 1% or 0.5% and they don't want to invest in things that are in their control. I think it's easy to shift blame and blame your media buyer, your agency, or even the platforms themselves when there's so many things that are inside your control that you're not focusing on. And that's, I think we do a good job within the agency of really explaining that to our clients. It's a partnership. 
right? Everything we do is a partnership. We cannot guarantee any results because we don't own the platforms where there's so many things that are out of control, but we're a 50, 50 partner in your marketing because as good as your product is and as good as your website is and as good as your offer is, that's as good as we're going to be with our advertising. Now we can make things a little bit better, but like I always say, bad ad, great advertising on a bad product or service only speeds up your rate at which you're going to fail. So recap, not spending enough, not investing in creative and not focusing on what's in your control are probably the three biggest mistakes. Okay. Okay. We have a question from Cody. What's your agency tech stack? Okay. For people who don't understand what that question is, it's, I think Cody's asking what tools do we use to pretty much run and manage the agency? That's what a tech stack is. Cody, if I got that wrong, feel free to come in and, and just elaborate on that. But I'm pretty sure that's what it, that's in my world. That's what a tech stack is. Megan, you could also chime in here because our tech stack probably a little bit better than I do because you're in it on a day-to-day aspect of things, but it's Slack for all comms. That's all internal communications happen through Slack. All client communications happen through Slack. Slack is our hub for everything, which, which is amazing because it brings in all the other tools we use and automates it within Slack and we could get all that notification. So like it's consider Slack, like our office space, right? That's the water. That's our office space. That's where everything's going on. Asana for project management. We have Airtable for creative submission. Yeah. Loom for any videos. Google Drive for all storage and SOPs and pretty much the backbone of our entire business is on there. Notion for a wiki of, and we need to get better at Notion. That's, 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 but that's what we use that for. Keep or Infusionsoft for all outgoing emails, content flywheels and whatnot. Stripe for payment processing. Where are we, Megan? What else do do we have in there? I think you've covered most of it. Slack is definitely... My favorite. It was definitely a 100% a game changer when we started implementing Slack, just because of all the apps you can connect to it. It's more than just communicating with your team members. You can send you notifications, all kinds of things. And then Airtable has been amazing. It's helped so much with our ad submission and keeping everything really organized and streamlined and those are Slack and Airtable are my two favorites for sure. Yeah, yeah. There was concern when we were trying to bring everyone into Slack. I think that was one of the concerns we had was, will clients take advantage of this? Will it be just like an SMS? Like they're going to be direct response to us and feel like they're texting us and we're on call 24 seven. But I think it's actually been the easiest way because nothing gets lost in email. If we need to bring a media buyer into the conversation, it's not now, okay, let me respond. And now let me CC the media buyer in this. And then that gets lost in translation and a bunch of different things. And then they're off. I think just from an accountability side of things. So if you run a business or you run an agency as an owner, I'm going to speak as an, as a op, as an owner and CEO right now, accountability is huge. And that's both ways. So when a client sits there and says, Hey, we never got this or we ask for something from a client and they don't submit it. The emails get lost, right? That's happened to us so many times, Megan, where we email the client for something and then they don't send it or whatever. And then they never got the email and then they send a bunch of different emails and then there's different threads. And But I think the fact that there's accountability of, okay, we could go back and tag that message. We could follow up. We could look at things has been incredible, but you also want to see where your team drops the ball because it happens and you don't necessarily... 
have to go out looking for the client to drop the ball. You don't have to look at, you don't have to necessarily go out of your way to look for your team dropping the ball, but mistakes will be made from both sides and you want to be there to correct. So I think by, from an agency side of things, by me being able to see, all right, the client asked for this, but the team did not respond to this, Mm -hmm. right? It's there. I could see it. It's in a channel. There's no reason for us not to respond to it. In the same way, the owner of the business that hired us, they need to see that their team's doing it. So from all, from, I just think from a communication standpoint, it's been incredible. And the fact that Zoom integrates with their, Loom integrates with their, all the tools we use, Google Drive just integrates in there. Anything, we get notifications. Like you can set up notifications for anything you want to see. Invoices get paid, guess what? It's notification. A, a chart, an invoice gets created, a charge happens, a chargeback happens. Any different things that happen, you get notified inside Slack. It's just been I think uh, an amazing tool for us. Right. Totally agree. This, this episode is sponsored by Slack. <laughs> right. <laughs> Should be. <laughs> okay. So our next question is from Shannon. I want to create more content, but don't know what to be posting about. I, I actually like this question because as someone who posts every single day, I still struggle with this as well. And it comes back to two two kind of similar philosophies like Gary Vaynerchuk's doc, like document don't create. If you're looking to just create content, it gets very hard unless you're like an entertainer, unless you're a celebrity, unless you're a comedian and you could be really creative. But I feel if you're asking this question, no offense, who asked this? This is uh, uh, Shannon. No offense, Shannon, but it doesn't sound like you're like the comedian, the creative one going out there because then content becomes super easy. But the good news is you're like 99% of the world out there in the sense of like, you just have to focus on document, not creating, documenting your journey of what's going on where you're at right now. My mentor, Ollie Bilson, he says this, he says the same thing. And he talks about, just talk about the things, talk about the things you've experienced, talk about the things you're going through. Because that one avoids imposter syndrome, it helps you avoid imposter syndrome, right? Which is the number one reason why most people don't create content is there is they may not feel like they have anything worth talking about, which is imposter syndrome because everyone has a message that they could deliver. Number two is you're worried what other people think of you and they're worried what other people are going to think of you, which I mean, that is, you just have to get over. That's more ego driven than anything else because you're assuming people actually care about what you have to say and they're focused on, on, on you. They have their own shit to deal with. They have their own problems in life. They're not worried about you, but look, you hired someone talk about that. If I hired, I hired an executive assistant, talk about what was my problem 18 months ago. I was this and this, my calendar was packed. I had no, no time to really grow the business. So I made a decision to hire someone. Here was the process I went through. Here's what's happened since. That has an immediate impact on people who may feel the same way. So you may feel like it, you're not delivering value, but you're actually delivering value that way because you're actually talking about things that have happened to you. Anything happened in the business? Did you lose a client? Did you gain a client? What did you learn from that? Talk about the lesson, the experience in that. Um, that's where also like a content flywheel helps. So when we send out our daily emails, we have it's literally there's rhyme and reason behind every behind it. The rhyme and reason is very simple. It's Look, I'm putting this out on Monday. It's this on Tuesday. It's that on Wednesday. It's content and there's a weekly roundup. So I think having a little bit of structure and picking what's called like your three buckets of what you want to talk about, whether that's what are you an expert in? 
what's going on in your life. If you want to talk about family, those are three different buckets. Okay. Nice. Okay. How do you handle difficult clients from Lauren? Look, it depends what you mean by, by difficult. The one thing that I always have to come back and take a step back on is they're spending a lot of money to work with you or, or they're spending money to work with you. And uh, you have to be empathetic, even if they're spending $1,000 to work with you versus spending 10000 versus spending 100000 There's still someone still giving you money and, tr- and their trust. And if you always come from that standpoint, I think, I think I've become a lot calmer in dealing with this because of that mindset change of just being like, look, I've been on the other end of that table before. I've written checks before to other people and wanted things. And you just have to, you have to understand that they're writing you a check. Sometimes they just want to be involved. Sometimes they just want to, like, they feel like because they wrote you money, they get, they got to have a say, they got to do something. Either bullying or disrespecting staff or yourself is a no-go. So someone, a client coming in and berating everyone, that's a no-go. That's a step in and you have to either choose to fire them. I think people don't fire enough clients. Uh, we've definitely fired clients here. So that, that kind of happens. I think a lot of people find clients difficult when they're like scope creeping. And that's when you hire, they hired you to do something, but now they're adding different things to it, which is a good lesson because that's your fault. That should be in your contract. Everything should be outlined in the contract and anything above that should be, you say anything out of this scope should be charged for. And you set that expectations and walk them through that a little bit and say, this is what we're responsible for doing. This is what you're responsible for doing. And anything else is extra. And I think sometimes a client will actually push a little bit. And if you give, then you're setting the precedent. So if, if you're not involved in making creative, but all of a sudden the client sits there and says, hey, can you do creative for us? And you say, yeah, okay, we'll do it. Guess what? Now you're involved in their creative and you didn't switch anything in the fees. So one is they're getting a free service that they're not valuing as much anymore. So that's just another thing, right? Because if you don't pay for it, you don't really value it. So they're coming in and now you're doing extra work for no cost and you're just giving them another reason to be unhappy with something. So that should be in your contract. That's for scope creeping. But the easiest way to deal with difficult clients is you don't hire them and you don't take them on or you fire them when they're too difficult. But I think you have to assess difficulty, right? If they're asking a lot of questions and they're just not getting things, that's difficult, but it's not like, it's not making your life hell. And if your life is going to be hell, it's not worth it. But I get when you're starting off, here's the different thing. When you're starting off, you want the money, right? So you're willing to put up with a lot more versus if you had a waiting list of people willing to work with you, your tolerance goes down a little bit more. So I think a lot of it in when you're starting off is pipeline you're willing to work with the difficult clients because you just don't have a pipeline of people coming in to want to work with you. So you have to solve that issue. The issue isn't difficult client. The issue is I should have a pipeline filled with people who want to work with me so that I could say no to those people. And if not, then you may just have to eat shit in the beginning. Everyone did it and everyone has to do it. And I think part of your client services or part of a job is to do that a little bit, but I think you're not addressing the real problem. The real problem is usually pipeline issues or, or not educating your client enough, or you're letting them scope creep, but anything else, they should just be fired. Okay. Okay. Next question is from Dave. Why are you so into Facebook ads when everyone else is abandoning ship? 
because I don't have shiny object syndrome and I, as an agency, we manage millions of dollars, millions and millions of dollars on this platform. And I see what it does daily. And I see businesses being built every single day on the back of this platform. Uh, look, these, And I also am not trying to sell you a course on Facebook ads or TikTok ads. So I don't need to constantly jump ship on, on what's going on. And if you follow me at all, I always preach the foundations and whatnot. And these platforms are tools and, and they, and they work. It just may not work for you right now. And if you can't get it to work, there's most likely something you're not doing properly. It's most likely a user error and not a platform error, which means a, you're not investing in creative enough. You're not knowing how to read the numbers properly. You're not understanding how the platform works. Like things change. You're. I think one of the biggest reasons why people abandon Facebook right now and say and just throw up their hands and say it doesn't work anymore is one, they're playing a new game with the old rules, which means Facebook's changed and it will keep changing and all these platforms are going to keep changing. And you could ask me this question in a year from now and I may sit there and say there's something else that's better from a demand generation side of things, from a, an awareness side of things. But as of where we're in right now, there is nothing better than Facebook. So I think, I think if you're looking at that and you understand how the platform works and you understand what's in your control and what's not. And I mean, the old game was, hey, I could just throw anything up on this platform, spend a dollar and get $3 back. How come I'm not seeing the $3 back in, my, in, in, in the platform anymore? Well, that's, it's a new game. The platform changed. iOS happened, right? We have a, a, you had COVID two years ago that boomed, that boomed online marketing you're comparing different eras and trying to play that game like with the new rules or however you want to phrase it old game with the new rules or new game with the old rules other way you're just not playing the right game and i think from a demand generation like i said from an awareness from an intent from an awareness intent and you have to look at these platforms from intent i go on google my intent is to find something books my your job is to generate that demand there's not much better out there. I do think it's industry specific a little bit right now. I think if you're in the info marketing coaching coaching world, I love YouTube ads. I think that's where people should be paying a lot more attention to right now than maybe Facebook. But in e-com world right now, there's nothing that even comes close to Facebook from a demand generation side. And everyone could talk about TikTok from here to tomorrow, but there's still no better platform than the meta world of ads and that's why i'm so into it why everyone's abandoning ship and i hope everyone abandons ship because then costs will come down and i could spend more and my clients could spend more and they can make a lot more money and everyone's happy good point <laughs> okay let's see all right if you could be a celebrity what industry would it be in this question's from greg <laughs> hands down Probably a hands down, I can't say hands down, then probably. So hands down, rock star. There's just something when you go to a concert and you're standing up on stage and there's thousands and thousands of people singing a song that you wrote, maybe on a napkin in a hotel room one day. And now everyone's singing that song and you could just like, I feel like there was like thinking about that gives me goosebumps right now. Like that, I think there'd be nothing greater than that. I look, you could say basketball player and you hit the game winning shot in a championship. You could say hockey player and score the game winning goal. 
there's so many different things that, that you could look at, but that's just hit and miss. You're a basketball player. How many game winning shots are you hitting in your career that really matter? That, that sends everyone into a frenzy. And then a year later, every, everyone's forgotten, but great songs and great bands and great singers last forever. I wish I had a good voice. I wish I had, I wish I had a musical talent because like that. Yeah. If I could be famous for anything that that's what I'd be for. Like I'm, I'm playing famous like that. Obviously I don't want people to sit there and say, you wouldn't want to be famous for being the doctor that saw that cures cancer. <laughs> yes. Cool. But we're, we're talking realistically here a little bit. If that to me, go to a concert and you watch these guys, nothing better. Yeah. What would you want to be? It would be cool to be in a band. I don't know that I necessarily want to be the lead singer. So you'd be want, you'd want to be the most famous backup singer. I could go for that or some, or like a drummer or something. I don't know. I can't play any instruments, so I'd have to pick up that first. Yeah, I used to play electric bass and then I kind of gave it up. I think I even lost my bass somewhere in, in, when we moved one time. Yeah, but that's what I want to be. That's cool. Not what I expected. Oh, what do you expect me to say? I expected something more along the lines of sports related. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're going to switch industries on us? I'm, I'm, yeah. As soon as I get my vocal surgery implant, <laughs> I'm out of the coaching. I'm out of the agency world. And it's straight to, it's straight to yeah. writing amazing songs <laughs> that the whole world is going to sing. All right. Let's see. I think. That's all of our questions. Cool. Yeah, that's it. All right. Thank you, Megan, for doing this again. If anyone has a question, you can put it in the comments or and we'll get to it next week. And we'll be back on a weekly basis answering your questions. You could submit them at any point. Just comment on any one of these posts and just let me know what question you have. You can reach me on all social media platforms at Jason Portnoy. Megan, thank you so much for doing this and have a good week, everyone. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for your attention. And if you made it this far, you're clearly someone who wants to take their business to the next level. And I understand that being an entrepreneur, it's a lonely place. It could be a lonely journey, which is why being part of a thriving community of like-minded people is just super important, as is the ability to instantly get answers to the questions you have in order to scale and grow your business. It's why I launched the Market Domination Coaching Group and it's we are open for invitations right now to join. So to request an invitation and book a free diagnostic consultation, let's call it a game plan call, head on over to marketdominationcoaching.com. It's where I will jump on a call with you and show you at least three ways you could possibly grow your business. Whether we work together or not, we'll still do this. Uh, it's going to be the best business decision you'll make uh, today. Uh, so speak soon. Head on over to marketdominationcoaching.com. Book your free game plan call and I'll speak to you soon.